Hello friends and welcome to the Blue Room. Today we have a replay of a Hope Notes conversation from a few months ago in which I talk about art that equips us for hard times. Maybe the hardest of times. Maybe even apocalyptic times. As you will hear, I start by talking about music for the end of the world, and then there's a short detour into the book and TV series Station Eleven, which you do not need to have seen in order to get the gist. And then I end with a discussion of different kinds of stories with some superhero examples. Because this was a Zoom conversation, you'll hear me reference some specific people on the call, including my own mother. I also mentioned an article from Vox.com called A Syllabus for a New World, which will be in show notes. I'll be back briefly at the end to wrap things up. Let's get right to it. I have been engaged with my extended family for a few months now in a game called Music League. And how Music League works is somebody suggests a prompt, for example, uh, songs with a place in the title. And then everyone nominates two songs that answer that prompt. And then a playlist is generated on Spotify and you don't know who nominated which song. You can listen to all the songs and then you get to vote on which songs you like the best or which ones are the best expressions of the prompt. So recently, in fact, uh, our most recent prompt before the one we're currently engaged in was my uncle's. And he said, Imagine that civilization has collapsed. What two songs do you choose to allow to survive to kind of represent civilization? And I would love to know if people have thoughts as to what you would choose to preserve of, of our kind of musical body of, of art. I found this prompt very fascinating to think about. I found it very poignant to think about. I really took it very, very seriously and, and sort of thought about, you know, what if, and it's probably because I had seen Station Eleven and those of you who have watched that show, that is the premise of that show is that 99% of humanity has perished in a pandemic that wipes people out within a matter of weeks. My son, who is uh, very versed in the immune system, has assured me that viruses don't work that way. But it makes for a pretty interesting premise for a TV show, for a book. The book came out in 2014, I believe, and the TV show just came out on HBO Max in the last several months. But that is the situation there. So what would you choose to preserve? And just for fun, I'm going to share, here is the playlist that we came up with. And I'm curious if there are things on this list that you would affirm or maybe that you would add as well. As you can see, there are some lighthearted responses, like somebody put uh, never going to give you up on there. So we got a Rickroll right in the middle of our uh, civilization's preserved playlist. We also had happy birthday on there, which um, I have to admit when I listened to it on the playlist, it had this certain poignancy to it because I thought, Think about all the birthdays that are no longer allowed to, you know, that, that are no more. And as I thought about this prompt, and I promise this is leading into Station Eleven, uh, I thought, you know, there's a number of different ways that you can approach a prompt like this. One is, what is representative of our culture that should be preserved? 
what are, are the different kinds of music? You'd want to have a balance of different kinds of things there. You know, if you could blast it off via Voyager, you know, kind of style and an alien race was able to listen to it, they would say, okay, here is the totality of humanity. That's one way to approach that prompt. A second way would be if we're rebuilding as a civilization, what kinds of songs, what kind of music would we want to kind of seed the next stage of, of human development, which is a little different than the first thing, right? And uh, that might lead to different kinds of, of songs. The third one is one that I kind of leaned into a little bit as well, which is what art would be comforting and edifying for the people left behind? You know, assuming there were a few people left, a little remnant after civilization has collapsed, what would give them comfort? What would help bring meaning to their lives? And so, as you can see, some of those have that kind of uh, have feel to it. So the, the playlist begins with Auld Lang Syne, which I think is a brilliant pick for this prompt because it, it's, it's not necessarily a, a sophisticated piece of music, but it has that kind of yearning quality to it, the kind of old time stake uh, kind of theme uh, for that. And having it be the first thing on the playlist was, was particularly poignant as well. One of the things that really struck me as I was, and I think the book evokes this as well, is the power of story. And, and you really, you have in Station Eleven, you have two different kinds of stories that really figure prominently. I mean, you have first, here's a picture of what is called the traveling symphony. And these are the, the performers who make this big circuit they call the wheel, where they go around and perform works of Shakespeare, as, as mom mentioned, and as the article mentions. And so you have these works of Shakespeare that have persisted for hundreds of years. And the idea behind the fact that they keep returning to them is that they lift up universal truths, right? They, they, they are about love and death. They are about war and peace. They are about human suffering and what ultimately matters. They're about family. They're about conflict. They're about, you know, all of these things, struggle. And so you have this body of work and there's some argument within the traveling symphony, you know, why do we just keep going back to these old stories and there's some really poignant quotes in the book about that, that really why this work matters. Um, and so you have that on the one hand. And then on the other hand, you have the actual Station Eleven, which is this comic book that is written, you know, in very limited release. There's only just a few copies by this woman who is not a well-known author. Um, it was her life's work, but she worked in logistics. Um, so it was, it was a passion project on the side. And I'd be interested in Carolyn's thoughts if you want to chime in as someone who read the book and Kate as someone who watched the show. Uh, I did both. And there's not a sense that Station Eleven is great literature. I mean, the, the illustrations are beautiful on, on the show. And there's some quotes that are really arresting. The one that you hear again and again is, I remember damage. And the other one that we'll talk about it more in a minute is survival is insufficient. Like it's not enough just to live. It's not a love just to survive, but, but what are we living for? But what makes Station Eleven, the work, the, the comic book significant is the meaning that the young people who find it at the time that they find it make of it. 
you know, Shakespeare has stood the test of time because it lifts up universal themes. Station Eleven becomes important to the people that it's important to because of when they receive it and they bring the meaning to it. I mean, it's, it's an interesting story about this astronaut figure who is not able to return to earth and, and there's kind of this whole plot there. And so it, it got me thinking about, you know, to go back to our, our music league playlist, you know, I mean, the, somebody put the way we were on there, which is, is, you know, a pop song, right? That's sort of the station 11 of this playlist. And there are some others too, that, that that's not, I mean, I would put the Hallelujah Chorus above the way we were, or Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, the, the final movement is on here too. Um, in terms of musical um, beauty, but something about it being on this list elevates it, if that makes sense. So I think that, you know, there are two kind of ways of thinking about the stories, right? That when they hit us at the right time, and Station Eleven is this book that is grabbed onto by the main character, Kirsten, and she remembers it. It's kind of this touchstone for her, and it's a reminder of her old life. And so the, the power of story to do that uh, just felt really, really, really powerful to me. And it got me thinking, too, about, and, and I share this in the, the book I have coming out later in the year. So in addition to like classics that have stood the test of time, you know, versus stories that kind of hit you at just the right moment and they br you bring the meaning to that story and you, you layer all of that meaning onto it because of where you are in your life when you encounter the story. There are also different kinds of stories. And, and here's the other thing that I'm thinking about. And if you, I really recommend that Vox article because it's just interesting to think about what kind of stories help us get through difficult times. So uh, the, the stuff I'm gonna share with you now, uh, let me type his name in here. So some of you may know Ted Chang and his work. He's a science fiction writer, but he also, he wrote the story that the movie Arrival is based on, which is a movie that I love. And he argues that there are two kinds of stories. There are conservative stories and there are progressive stories. And those are not political distinctions. It's not that they have nothing to do with partisan politics, but that's not primarily what they're about. Um, I will share what they are and then we can talk about, about them. So here's how a conservative story works. Conservative story goes like this. The world starts out as a good place. Evil intrudes on that good world and good defeats evil, and the world goes back to being a good place. You can see how that's conservative, right? It starts out good, something bad happens, we defeat it, the world is good again. That's a conservative story. And then the contrast is to progressive stories. Progressive stories go like this. The world starts out as a familiar place. A new discovery or a new invention disrupts that familiar world, and the world is forever changed. So that's a progressive story. And I've gotten really, really captivated by this idea. And, and like I said, I, I write about it quite a bit in, in my book because as we think about hope, what kind of story do we need to listen to? What kind of stories do we need to immerse ourselves in in order to build a good sense of hope for ourselves? And I would say that conservative stories have their place. They're very satisfying to read or to watch. And, and in some ways, I mean, for those of us who are um, locate ourselves in the Christian tradition, you can think of our, our story as a conservative story in a way. 
you know, we have the, the Garden of Eden and it was all good. And then kind of sin intruded, you know, evil intrudes. And what we're trying to do is get back to that state of right relationship with God, right? And that's a way of reading the Christian story conservatively. But I think the Christian story at its heart is really a progressive story. Because what I see in, in our kind of narrative of thinking about our lives that way is that our separation from God is, is about disruption. And, and if you think about, about Jesus, his ministry is really about disruption and changing the world forever, um, hopefully for the better, right? Um, but not about going back. It's about moving forward. So for those of us who, who locate ourselves in that tradition, it's not about trying to get back to something. It's about trying to build a new transformed, a new heaven and a new earth. Um, and so I ultimately find progressive stories more interesting, uh, but also more satisfying and more helpful as we think about what kind of art can really equip us to, to live better and to live in this world where so much has changed and, and so much is, is constantly being disrupted. Uh, to, to digress briefly, and then I would love to you know, hear some, some thoughts about this because I think uh, you know, Station 11 maybe has a little bit of both conservative and progressive or depending on how you, wanna, how you wanna put it. But to give an example of some familiar stories for many of us. So you have, if you remember the original Superman movie, 1977, Christopher Reeve playing Superman. This is a conservative story, right? We have this culture where everything is as it is. And then you have Lex Luthor and his evil plan. Superman comes along and defeats Lex Luthor and things are restored to, you know, truth, justice in the American way. And I think it's even the first movie. It might be the first, maybe the second movie where he actually takes the American flag and he sort of plants it. You know, I mean, this is, this is definitely a conservative frame for this story. Like things are good, bad happens, we restore to the good. In fact, Superman even reverses time during that movie. So he flies around the earth and reverses the, the rotation of the earth to go back in time to restore things to the way that they should be, right? Contrast that with another comic book movie, um, The Avengers, which also ends happily at the end of that. So they, they defeat these aliens that come in and the Avengers assemble and come together and they, they fight this alien force. But there's this ambiguousness at the end because everyone realizes with the Avengers around, the world has fundamentally changed. So yeah, they have these, this fighting force that's supposed to, you know, Earth's mightiest heroes. But the problem is that the whole universe now knows that they have these powerful figures and Earth is now a target. You know, the, the, the power of the Avengers makes them more vulnerable because it's like, here we are. And so it's ultimately a progressive story because things don't go back to the way they were, the world is forever changed because of just the very presence of the Avengers. And, and so I was, as I think about Station Eleven, it's interesting to kind of filter them through these two lenses. And I would be interested in, in you know, thoughts people have either in chat or just take yourself off mute. I promise, uh, you know, we, we won't bite. Um, but to, to think about how does Shakespeare... And how does Station Eleven, the, the comic book, help people live in a world that has been disrupted? It's not about going back.
I'm recording this intro and outro for today's episode just a couple of days after the leaked document from the Supreme Court about the end of Roe v. Wade. And wow, I really love and cling to that idea from the Vox article about a syllabus for a new world. And I am really leaning on my syllabus a lot this week for the living of these days. And here is some of this week's syllabus in no particular order. The film Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The Marvel series Moon Knight. The work of activist Valerie Kaur and her revolutionary love organization. Evening walks around our lake in which we attempt to spot the barred owl who made an appearance outside our back door recently. The First Nations version of the New Testament, a new translation that I am finding absolutely gorgeous. The Reasons to be Cheerful website and the Dear Hank and John podcast. What is on your syllabus this week? I would love to hear. Contact me through my website, MarianneMcKibbenDana.net, where you can also find a schedule of new Hope Notes conversations and a place to register so you can participate in real time. Only two more of those before my sabbatical begins in June. Don't forget to pre-order Hope, a user's manual, available wherever you order books. I'm Marianne McKibben-Dana, speaking to you from Reston, Virginia, the ancestral land of the Manahoac people. This podcast was produced and edited by Caroline Dana. Thank you, as always, for listening. Steady on. Steady on.